I've got my cup of tea in front of me and I'm back for my brand new podcast series. We're going to be kicking the series off today by looking at how you can slow down the play to tune into the child's big idea. My name is Kimberly and I'm founder of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early years teaching, training and inspiration. With all the work I do, I'm all about empowering early educators to be the very best version of themselves by creating a perfect blend of professional knowledge and development alongside valuing your well-being and self-care. So hi, welcome back. It's so lovely to have you listening. It's been a while, hasn't it? In fact, I haven't done any podcasting this year. Oh no. And so many of you have been sending me messages asking for podcasts to return. So here I am. Now I do love creating these, but I've been learning how to be really careful with my time recently. I don't know if you know this, but I'm in the process of writing my next book with a June deadline. And then alongside this, I've got all the things involved with running a business. So my time has been pretty restricted. And I'm quite strict anyway with my time. You might have heard me say before, but I like to block out sections of my day when I don't work. And this is my time where I can rest, I can live. That means going out for walks, doing things that light me up and recharge my batteries. And for a little while, I'd been struggling to think about how I could bring podcasting back into my week without having to eat into some of the important me time. But I have managed to delegate a few other jobs so that I can be here for you. Anyway, enough of me. How are you? I'm finally starting to see a light in 2021 and I feel that the hope we've all been searching for is not too far away now. Now at the time of recording this podcast, schools in England have returned this week and we're gradually seeing our restrictions lifted slightly. I'm really looking forward to the simplest of things. For me, it's sharing a meal with family in the garden this spring. I'm even going to create a chocolate Easter smorgasbord for us to enjoy together and just enjoy chatting and laughing in the same um, space and not feeling like we're having to do it over Zoom. It'd be really nice to just get together. I can't wait as well to just be able to get in the car and travel to see some of those loved ones that are a little bit further away for the day. Maybe go on a hike with them somewhere different. And I guess that as life returns back to more of what we used to do, we should work hard and not forget in the moments that we've longed for for so long and really cherish them when they do happen. Okay, so now I want to get into the main part of our podcast, which is all about inquiry-based learning and how we can slow down what we're doing to really see what the children are fascinated in, what their big idea is, what their misconception is, and how we can set up provocations to extend, challenge, and deepen the children's learning. Now, as I talk about in the Hoover in the early years accreditation, it's a way of slowing down and really being present with the interests and curiosities of the children in front of you. 
I know that when I have worked in schools and maybe even new schools, when I've gone there, sometimes the staff would say to me, okay, autumn term, this is what we always do. But yet that always isn't right for the children that we've got right now. So we want to really move away from that thematic approach and instead focus on the children that are there in front of us right now and think about what lights them up. What is it that's making them so curious? And I want to start by sharing my own example of this. So when I was working um, in a reception class, uh, one morning the children were coming in and it was so windy outside. And the children's conversations were all around the wind. And there was a few snippets that I really tuned into. So I just grabbed a pack of post-it notes and I recorded these down while obviously sensitively interacting and joining in with the discussion. So the kinds of things that I could hear the children saying was things like, the wind is so loud, it's blown all the bins over and there's rubbish everywhere. My little sister's hat blew off and she wouldn't stop crying. Oh, the wind was really scary and it kept me awake last night. And it really dawned on me that the children had such a negative view of the wind. And to them, like the wind was so bad, it was like the big bad wolf. So I really wanted to think of how I could quickly explore this idea with the children. So the wind being bad, that was taken as the children's big idea, I guess. And the thing that I love is that the weather is really, truly fascinating. And it just has so much about it to be curious with. It's a fascinating phenomenon. And I think we need to use it more in our learning because children need to understand it and learn about it because it's part of life, everyday life. So I decided to respond to the children's comments by setting up a super quick provocation around their feelings. So is there good in the wind or is the wind always bad? So as I said, the children were literally coming into the class having these discussions. So it wasn't that I that I could put lots of time into setting up something really extravagant. It simply was a collection of books about the weather, a few paint pots, some paper and some straws. And I waited to see how the children responded. And it was lovely because they were excited to learn that they could use their breath, which was sort of a representation of the wind, to blow through the straws, blow the paint and create something rather beautiful. And this made them see the wind in a really different way. And we celebrated the work that was done. We popped this up um, on display as soon as it was dry enough to do this. Um, I had another little boy as well that enjoyed picking up the book Wild in the Wind and he discovered that wind can actually help move things like the sailing boats or hot air balloons. So in his head, he wanted to go off and explore how he could make his own hot air balloon, which was fantastic. There's so much STEM learning going on there. And by providing such an open-ended provocation, it allowed the children to take that learning, to take their big idea into whatever direction they wanted to. And I was so careful here as an adult to not just jump in with all the answers that they needed. I really was trying to be a partner in the learning process. 
So when it comes to setting up provocations, it can take some time for us to really understand the best ways to do this and for us to consider our practice and reflect on what we need to be doing or not doing as an educator. So I'm going to share with you now three mistakes that are so easy to make when engaging in provocation or inquiry-based play. So the first one, this is something that I used to do all the time to begin with, was I was so tempted to lead with the adult's agenda. Yeah, hands up if you're guilty of this one as well. I used to get so excited if a child showed a particular interest that I would just be thinking, oh, this is great. Oh, we can go up here and we can go visit there and we can get that book out and we can do this resource. But actually it wasn't what the child wanted. And me interfering like this was taking away their ownership of thought. So yeah, we just need to be really careful of this. And this is probably the hardest thing that I had to overcome, the biggest barrier really, because the traditional teacher inside of me wanted the control aspect. I wanted to know where the learning was going um, and how I was going to resource it all, etc. But you have to just take a step back and that's, that's tricky and it takes time, it takes patience and it takes reflection. Okay, the next one is rushing. So moving from one thing to the next, really never letting a child experience the world for themselves. So this might be that we set up a provocation or it could be even an invitation to learn. And then before the children have had a chance to experience it and explore and respond, you've taken it away and you've swapped it with something else. Think about, I don't know, pancake day for an example. You might set up in your home corner some enhancements around pancake day. Maybe it will be some pancake ingredients. It could be a frying pan. Um, it could be a recipe book. And then as soon as the next day comes along and it's not pancake day anymore, think about your provision. Have you still got those resources out or have you taken them away? Because actually it's when the children have had those real concrete experiences that they still require all of those resources to allow them to repeat the play, make those connections in their knowledge, linking the old learning with the new. So we need to be so careful that we're not rushing and moving things on too quickly. Another thing as well, when we talk about rushing, and I bet we're guilty of this as well, is that we're eager to support children's learning and through doing this, we might be asking questions, but are we actually pausing once we've asked them the question and giving them the time they need to process and consider the answer? I think sometimes we just throw a bank of questions at the poor child without really stopping to give them time to think about it. Okay, and number three, planning too far in advance. So there are things that you can plan in advance because you recognize that particular experience or skill set the children need to develop. And you can do this by setting up invitations to learn that respond to this or address this. Try not to do too many of these. 
the whole ethos is that we're trying to create a good bank of continuous provision, continuous opportunities that are there every day. And then we just enhance little bits with either invitations to learn or with provocations, which are in response to children's interest. We don't want to get into the habit of enhancing every area. Not only is it exhausting, but it doesn't give children the chance to do any of their free play and develop their own creativity and critical thinking. But on the other side of that, I know that our senior leadership team, management, might require a forward plan. So here, be careful to write down your invitations to learn, but leave room for provocations, responsive planning, because that's what provocations are. We're seeing something, we're reflecting on what we've seen, and we are setting something up that will provoke an interest or a further curiosity. And these can't be planned a week or two weeks in advance. They happen in the moment. And so it's up to you to leave the time and space in your day to be able to do that. And also, you just need time to be able to breathe sometimes. <laughs> okay, so there were my three mistakes. Number one, leading with the adult's agenda. Number two was rushing. And number three was planning too far in advance. Now, if you found this podcast episode interesting, I would love to invite you to take part in my new provocation online course. Only a short one, and it will take less than an hour, but it will show you the exact steps that you can take to embed provocations in your practice while also saving you time. And I think we'd all love a little bit more time for ourselves. Okay, well it's Friday, it's the weekend, and I just hope you have a really lovely one. I hope that you manage to get outside in your local area and start to notice all the signs of spring. I actually feel even more tuned into spring happening this year than I have probably in, in other years. I'm always pretty present, but this year I feel even more so um, because I'm holding on to that hope and the birds tweeting in the trees later in an afternoon, giving me that feeling of hope. Okay, lovelies. Well, I will be back next week. Take care. Bye.